Hello and welcome to the Extreme Cinema Podcast with me, Alexander Sternberg, and Dom Loach. How you been, Dom? I'm good. Very depressed. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. This film, yeah, man. It's a, it's a depressing <laughs> film, all right. Uh, this week on the podcast, we're talking about Christian F. The Kinder von Bahnhof Zoo. Um, it is a west german sort of cult movie about teenage heroin addicts and uh it does not hold back not even in the slightest there'll be a big old discussion discussion about drugs in this episode for everyone so that's great <laughs> <laughs> oh so uh dom what did you think of the movie you know it's i mean it's good it's very very sad and depressing and painful <laughs> And, and it doesn't hold back, but it's a good movie. I don't think it's, like, a perfect masterpiece or anything, but it's a very good film. What about you? Uh, I don't think it's a perfect masterpiece. Uh, I This is the second time I've seen it, and I think I picked up on a lot more subtleties this time in it. I think it's a, a very, very good film. Like, I can kind of... I see why it's got, one, the reputation it has now of this sort of depressing movie and two, the reputation it had back then of this sort of cool teen movie. And I quite like that, that it, 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 it works on that level as well. Yeah. This is the first time I ever watched it literally today before recording this. And like, it's, um, it so blows my mind though, that it was seen as that cool teen movie in Germany. Like that's so weird. Like, Especially with the a lot of it was the with the reputation it has now. It it has it in Germany as well, but a lot of it was to do with the marketing. Um, they kind of just mar- marketed up the fact that it's got Bowie in it, and um, apparently the U.S. except in a few cinemas in the U.S. so not the U.K. but the U.S. it was all fucking dubbed over by adults talking <laughs> like it's the nineteen fifties, and it was apparently garbage because they were trying to sell it to a younger audience. Oh my god, I did not know about that. That sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I I would love to see that cut. That's probably unbearable. I do love a good unbearable film, though. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I guess we should get into it. And I think one thing I really like about it, I mean, in this episode, you will hear a million comparisons to Danny Boyle's Trainspotting. Yes, Uh, yeah. Because there's a lot of similarities. And one thing I really liked in this that train spotting does in a lot less subtle of a way, because train spotting is much more stylish than this, is the kind of slow transformation of the film from this sort of slightly energetic, filled with music, you know, stylish lighting, um, to this sort of very trudgingly depressing, you know grayish movie towards the end but it's really subtle in this whereas um in train spotting the kind of the lapse of energy is is much more noticeable um and i like i think this is does it in quite a subtle way and this was before train spotting as well yeah exactly like this you can tell it's happening but it does it so slowly and it's like such a like starts off quite high energetic kind of thing like you said and by the end it's like this gritty, horrible grey film that, like, 
because gritty, horrible things do happen, like, the entire way through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's undoubtedly kind of social realism, kind of at, it, at its finest. And it really, it really avoids exploitation. Like, it's showing stuff. It's not just implying. It's showing this sort of teenage sex work and teenage, you know, it's showing needles going into their skins. It's showing their lives completely ruined. Um, but it does it in a non-exploitative way because it's just so well written. The characters are so good in it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think, like you said, it shows it full on, but it doesn't feel exploitative just because it is so real. It's like incredibly real. Like the, and, um, the overdose scenes and everything are just terrific. Well, I first heard about this film when I was in Berlin talking to someone and I hadn't heard of it. I mean, as we mentioned, it is, it's a fair bit bigger in Germany. It's a really quite a big German cult film. Um, and this is known as a super historically accurate representation of the time. It was released in 81. It's set in, I believe, 1977. Uh, and apparently the portrayal of kind of youth culture, of of drug use, and um, very centrally the portrayal of the Berlin Zoo Station, which is now all kind of gentrified over. But uh, that was, you would just walk around Berlin Zoo Station and there would be teenage heroin addicts there and there would be prostitutes there and that was just how it was at the time and this is a very accurate representation because this is based on a biography it's an adaptation of a biography and of a series of news articles well that's what i was going to say that comes to it being based on that biography doesn't it like i didn't even realize um because i looked up nothing before i watched it and then looked it up afterwards i was like oh my god this was all real like basically like and you know it's not not an american film as well places outside of america do real shit so much easier than than america does like it's a fantastic uh social drama yeah definitely and the fact that this is all like about a 13 and 14 year old blows my mind as well like you give the and she like, was 14 as well the actress yeah exactly like you give the train spot in analogy but like they're like 20, 30-year-old adults in that. This is a 13, 14-year-old shooing up heroin, and it's horrifying. And they're, they're kind of, you know, I know this is a vast oversimplification, but they're kind of bad people in train spotting. whereas here, this is a, a very normal teenage girl. And uh, one of the reasons the film works so well is it's the uh, debut performance from um, Nadja Brackhorst, and she is 14, and she looks 14 and she acts like a 14 year old and the downward spiral she goes through um, with her performance and the makeup and the costume. It's just so it's painful. It hurts. Yeah, exactly. It is amazing. And it does well at portraying that why she got into drug use and everything like that initial boredom of just like like the small concrete apartment and fucking west berlin it's like amazing how they like portray that initial kind of thing as well completely and i like i like the nuance of it as well because you know her mum is shitty and not giving her any attention and you know it's quite a good emotional beat when she's like oh after her sister leaves like oh we'll just have a night together and then she invites her boyfriend which is just kind of horrible and then christiana's like i'm i'm going out you know, screw this, but, like, she's not, like, 
abusive. She's just a bit negligent. And when she sees her, uh, full spoilers as every episode of the podcast, when she sees her overdose, she has nothing but a human reaction. And you can clearly see the link between her home life and how she got into drugs. But it's not some, you know, not to say that, you know, abuse doesn't ever, you know, doesn't lead to drug use or anything like that. It's just, it's not, you know misery porn even though it, it easily could have been it just it feels like very slice of life yeah exactly that's the thing it's not over the top with that aspect of it like it doesn't like throw it in your face and be like this is exactly why this happened it's more a subtle like this could lead to this kind of thing it could it could destroy your life yeah exactly yeah or destroy your childhood or you know whatnot i mean the um I think um yeah uh the um cold turkey scene is obviously one of my favorite i mean again train spotting similarity is the best scene in train spotting probably as well but the the difference is so stark because train spotting does the kind of trippy surreal um withdrawal scene and that's horrific but in this i think it's so much more horrific um because it does the pure real we are just showing you no subjective subjectivity here but it, it aces it so well and i mean I've, I've made a couple of positive comparisons to train spotting but I, I do i think train spotting is the better film because the creativity in train spotting is kind of second to none but this just it hurts like quite a bit more than train spotting does because it's just here it is no style no like you know, you're not, your jaw isn't on the floor, like, like watching this sort of showing off stylish 90s filmmaking while you're emotionally, you know, involved. It's just a very slice of life film. Exactly. And I think that is what makes it so baffling that this did become seen as that cool movie. Because I know you talked about it was the marketing with Bowie and everything. But even after I was reading, like, a lot of german teens started seeing it as this like thing to follow almost not like the drug use obviously but this cool thing and like the dress even started to change like christiana and stuff like that it's such a weird weird like <laughs> that's so weird yeah but because it's got all the music and yeah the fashion is is pretty great in it as well and whatnot i i can see it it's just it's such an emotionally harrowing film, even for adults. I don't know, you know, it'd be a, it's a, it'd be a hard watch as a teenager. I mean, I think the most the closest comparison to this is Christine, not John Carpenter's Christine. That would be weird, but um, Alan Clark's Christine, and I regard Alan Clark as kind of the master of British social realists. You know, even possibly putting him above Ken Loach. Uh -huh. Christine's a bit of a misfire because it's just sort of, oh how look how terrible it is. Doesn't have much of a point to it which I guess is kind of intentional. That's set in middle-of-nowhere, run-down, post-Thatcher, Yorkshire town, you know, with all these teenage heroin addicts. And that's just also just depressing. They're just buying heroin and shooting up and stuff, but that doesn't have a lot of character. That's just a lot of people buying heroin and using it. It's not a very good film, whereas this is an amazing character study. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's grounded in character of... Uh, Christiana as well, instead of just being, look how terrible this thing is, like, look how terrible this thing is and it gives you somebody to attach yourself to, to understand how fucking terrible this thing is. 
I'm going to give you another comparison, which I've not seen. I've only seen a few episodes of this show, so you might be able to better tell me if this is a good comparison or not. But it's kind of like Skins, I feel, in a way, almost. Uh, Yeah, I could see it, like the darker moments of Skins. But that is a cool comparison. Yeah, the, with, with kind of all the humor taken out. Yeah, exactly. Like, that is a cool comparison as well, because I remember being young. And been like, oh, Skins is so cool, and this is awesome. So I could actually see, like, because Skins was not supposed to be that cool. I mean, it was in points, like the house pies and stuff like that. But people died in Skins, and the drug use was supposed to be heroin and everything. So I guess I, when I said it's baffling, that it could be seen as this cool thing, maybe it's not so much, actually. <laughs> you know, I was, I was saying the exact same thing the other day. Like, it's sort of... A lot of people who are younger than the target demographic, even though in this I think it probably is the target because the character's 14, will could watch watch it. And I don't, you know, because it's like a edgy, not a fantasy. This sounds like I'm not, I'm not being, I'm not communicating properly here. Like people watch it because it's about people their age, but it's just so much more edgy and hardcore than their lives but i don't think in this people are going to be watching it i know it has the reputation as like a cool movie but i don't think people are going to come out of this film at any age anything other than just sad no exactly i mean maybe the bowie moments and the taking of the lsd and stuff like that but that's obviously pretty early on um after that is just horrifying like the heroin use like could not see anybody as being like oh this is edgy and cool like it's just depressing like <laughs> i was watching ebert uh ebert's review of it and siskel and they loved it um unsurprisingly and he kind of compares it to like if reefer madness was good and <laughs> <laughs> like the anti-drug like a successful anti-drug film because it is and most drug films aren't successful that try to do it but this is that's true because most drug films tried to be overly preachy or overly like overly dramatized whereas this is just just shows it and it just like it's harrowing because it seems so accurate like it's absolutely true i mean shall shall we talk about bowie i mean yes let's talk about bowie Bowie, like prime bowie i mean it's david bowie the the concert scene in this is so cool. And the irony is how much cocaine would Bowie have been on at this time? Oh, an unimaginable amount. <laughs> but I could I could see why his involvement is it's a very cutting-edge, um, no-holds-barred piece of art, and that's the kind of thing Bowie liked. And having this sort of famous station-to-station scene in it, it is set-dressing. I don't think there's any symbolism or meaning, really, to Bowie's existence in it. But you could have worse set dressing than a David Bowie performance, and it shot brilliantly. Oh, definitely. Did you read about the Bowie performance that they got? What, that it was in New York, and then the crowd shots, which are of worse quality, so it was clearly spliced in from an ACDC one. Yes, the ACDC one was in Germany, but the Bowie one was in in New York. (laughs) (laughs) I like that that scene. Um, I mean, the performance, it's just a brilliant performance it is set dressing but i'm i'm okay with it being in there because i want to see bowie but i like that scene because i feel for like a lot of the sort of the first 
two thirds of the film, Christiane's just sort of acting. She doesn't really know how to act because she's in over her head with these older kids. And you see her at the concert and these sort of guys are fighting in front of her and she just doesn't know what to do in this situation. She's just sort of standing there a bit nonplussed. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, I do love the, um, that. And I love that they got Bowie in on this film. Like, I want to know what they said to him. Like, so much. They got him so yeah, much. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know he's an artsy guy, but imagine being like, okay, Bowie, we want to a film about harrowing heroin addicts. And I'm just been like, yeah, sure. Sign me up, man. Like, well, he must have he must have been in Berlin at this time because this is like 81. So this must have been very shortly after Heroes. Yeah, yeah, that's just after. And I mean, he was really, I mean, there was an OST of this, which just had the Bowie songs used in it and his records take, a, you know, a big thing in it. And there's the, you know, moment where she sells the records, which any music fan will tell you would, would is not something you'd ever want to do. <laughs> no, it's not. No. What do you um, it's, go in like? It's very good. I mean, I'll say as a negative point on the film, I think it is a bit too long at an hour 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, um, it does drag on a while. Um, some of the scenes could have been shortened, and you could tell that, but it's a tiny point, really, compared to everything else. Yeah, I, I just think this sets out to do what it sets out to do so good. You know, I think I think it accomplishes what it sets out, and it's it's not an overly... It doesn't show off or anything. It just sort of... It's a very well well made film yeah what did you uh what did you think of the ending what the um oh yeah it's weird isn't it it's is so weird overdoses and then just like oh i survived um bye yeah because it just kind do, of do 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 <laughs> heroes by the way not the theme from wallace and gromit that sounded so like wallace uh. and gromit <laughs> <laughs> Do, 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 do. Well, that would have been the only thing more tonally jarring than Heroes at the end. Yeah, with the it just abruptly cuts to a voiceover, been like, actually, I recovered and didn't die. Here's David Bowie. Like, I was like, what the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that is weird. And I, if you're like familiar with the fact it's a real life biography. With that context, you could be like, oh, I understand this. But if you didn't, you'd be like, what the fuck? And frankly, it shouldn't, you shouldn't, it should be able to stand without like that. I agree. It's a very strange way to end it. All it would have needed is sort of one more scene. Exactly. Just for it not to feel so sudden. Just have a scene of a surviving or in the future or anything like that. Just not a voiceover. It's so, I mean, it's still a great movie. Just the, uh, that threw me for a loop as well not knowing the context of it when i first went in it no it, it it is strange it was one of the things when i was watching it i was like what and my girlfriend who hadn't seen it before was also like yeah what that this is just a bit sudden i think she was wondering why i was singing heroes all day before we watched it <laughs> tarantino is apparently a big fan of the use of music in this i couldn't find any decent source for that claim to be honest i saw it in a comment somewhere one time, so maybe that's complete bullshit, but it seems like a weird thing to just make up. Yeah, it's such a um, Tarantino thing, to be fair. If you were, if I could see that, if you were like, Tarantino likes the music in this, I'd be like, that makes sense. Well, what's that Leo Carax 
film, oh fuck, it's really not good, um, where everyone has an STD. No. Is it called like Bad Blood or something? I don't even think you've seen this. No. There's a bit in that where he's running down the road to Modern Love by Bowie, and it's kind of very reminiscent, but this film was after Christiana F. It's very reminiscent of them running through the shopping center with heroes playing. Um, um. I know that Leo Carax film was an influence on Tarantino. Well, no, I do not know that film, but I should. God, what is that movie called? <laughs> should definitely check that out. You know, everyone has an STD in it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> STD film. Just searching up STD film is amazing. <laughs> I want to see what you get back from that. Movis Sang. Yeah, I know that, but what's, what's that in English? The Night is Young. Yeah, it's not great, but it's got a good Bowie scene in it. Oh, okay, I do not know this one. Don't bother. <laughs> but uh, that was a, a nice little digression there. Yeah. You know, um, the director of this, he went to Hollywood after. Um, and he did the Houdini with Adrian Brody, which I love. I thought that was a fantastic film. Oh my God, really? Or miniseries. I watched it all as one, though. It was That was fantastic. That's such a weird diverge, but... I mean, yeah, I loved that as well. I think I... Oh, it gets... I remember watching it and talking to you about it. Oh, it gets... It's, yeah, um, very underrated and underseen. But he also did Pay the Ghost, starring Nicolas Cage, which was meant to be absolute rubbish. And Body of Evidence, starring Madonna and Willem Dafoe, which is known as one of the worst films of the 90s. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> like... Imagine making a movie that's known as a low-rent version, like a low, lower-rent showgirls. That's... you fucked up. Exactly, like... Uh, must have had some budgets then. Um, clearly a guy that works much better on a tiny budget. Like, Yeah, because from what I can tell, his most acclaimed stuff is the German stuff, but that, that happens a fair amount with, with foreign directors, like, uh, you know, what's his face? Uh, Guillermo or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, it it's you go to Hollywood and like get to your head and then make whatever the hell you said the Madonna film was like. <laughs> Body of evidence. Yeah, she's like a, a black widow in it, and Willem Dafoe is on the case to investigate her. I think I've vaguely. I've not seen it. I've just. It's one of those sort of infamously bad movies. Oh my god! You know I love infamously bad movies. It's one of the. I've been meaning to watch it just to see how awful it is and you know there's an there's an, an amazon prime version of christiana f now a, a series called zoo i think i remember you telling me about stupid it title. yeah it's a very i know it's got it's called it's a german show and i know it's got like this is much more well known in germany i mean here there's not even a blu-ray release of it and the dvd's out of print no, that's the thing. It's inc- and the DVDs. It's incredibly hard to find in the UK. And yeah, the DVD has the very old eighteen certificate, um, you know, image on it. So it must be like pre twenty ten easily, like way pre twenty ten, in fact. Yeah, which is crazy. Then that Amazon have decided to make a miniseries of it. I mean, it must be that Europe fame because both this. I think it's targeted. It's in German, so it must be targeted at. Germany, but with these streaming services, they often have, like, dubs readily available. Oh, yeah, of course. Money heist and whatnot. Well, this and the book were huge, weren't they, I think, when they first came out? It's... I don't know if it's a film outside... It's kind of hard to tell, because I was told about it by a German who was sort of roughly my age at the time, which was 17 um, or 18, 
Um, so clearly it is much more well-known in Germany, but here, even though at the time it was a cool teen film, a cool kind of artsy teen movie, I don't think it's really survived in terms of um, reputation. No, that's the thing. I mean, if you said this movie, I don't think anybody we know would have ever heard of it. Like, it's not a... Oh, yeah, the one about the heroin addict. Like, people just wouldn't know. <laughs> exactly. And But I, I think... I think like, I would recommend this to people. I think it's a, it's a very watchable film. I think it's um, rather good at what it's done. And I think it's a nice little thing... Not an antidote to Trainspotting. Again, I do. Re- I love Trainspotting. Trainspotting is one of my favorite films. Danny Bill's one of my favorite director. But it's a very good way of seeing someone take the same subject matter and do it very differently to Trainspotting, even though there are similarities with the music, for example. Yeah, exactly. I do think, like, after you get past the concept of it, like, if you want to watch something like that, then it's definitely accessible. Like, it's it's a easily watchable film. If you want to watch a film how, like this. How many, how many actually good drug movies are there? Because there's train spotting. There's the kind of Easy Rider is good, I guess. Um, it depends how you... Are we talking heroin drug films or are we talking like drug I'm, talk, I'm not talking like Cheech and Chong. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm talking like drama. Um, I, Probably not many. Like, I can't because literally... It's either like exploitation or like celebrating normally ironically or because you get the anti-drug films like reef of madness and whatnot but this is this and train spotting are two of the only ones that really kind of stick around yeah exactly like it it shows that i can't think of many off the top of my head like quadrophenia quadrophenia is good quadrophenia is good and anti-drug and very realistic yeah yeah quadrophenia actually i mean do you want to but say it's not known as a film about drug addiction? It's known as a film with the Who in it. Well, exactly, because then I was going to say Pink Floyd's The Wall as well. <laughs> that, that's a bit more surreal and out there, though. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely about drugs, like, though. Oh no, it's definitely about drugs. But you could watch it and not pick any of. Oh, I mean, you can't. Doug Walker could watch it and not pick any of that. <laughs> <laughs> And now to reset the days since Re- Nostalgia Critics the Wall was was made fun of counter. Shall we do an episode on it one day? On the Extreme Cinema podcast? I mean, that is extreme. It's the most extreme uh, video. She did put it on her Extreme Cinema list. She did. <laughs> uh, but, like, drugs, it's only like you get, like, Roger Corman's, like, LSD film you know, an easy rider, and that's kind of run genre drug movies. And then you have the stoner comedy, and like the anti-drug film, it's, you know, minus the kind of tell-your-children-esque pre-exploitation films of the sort of 30s and whatnot, um, they don't make that many of them anymore because they're seen as melodramatic and uncool and are not, they're not going to sell because who's going to go see them? No, so You have to do something really good to actually make one. Or if it's, if it's a drug film, drugs are always the subtext rather than the main text of anything oh yeah no there's a drug use in a lot of film but it's not about drug addiction or the downward spiral of heroin use like this is primarily about that yeah exactly because it's like could have said something like midsummer or something which has a shit ton of drug use in it and is quite um in the plot but then obviously it's about it's way very more. thematically important yeah exactly um should we do final thoughts? Yeah, go for it. Uh, I really like this film, and I 
I recommend it to everyone. It's depressing. It is it is quite intense. Um, but it's just a really if you want like a good drama, like a good teen drama that doesn't hold back, is depressing, does show, you know, all these very difficult topics of sort of teen drug use and prostitution and whatnot in a very matter of fact matter of fact way that's not exploitative. I would watch this. I just I think it's a very good film. I think it's a bit long, but rather entertaining. Um Maybe the pacing is a bit uh, lethargic in the second half, but um, it's, I really like it. I think it's a very good film. Yeah, I mean, I literally echo everything, basically. Um, the ending kind of sucks, but don't let that get past anything. It's very watchable for how harrowing a film it is, and you will be depressed, but that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, just sort of went to bed last night like, well, I'm bummed out. Yeah, don't don't go in for a happy time, but go in for a good movie experience. I think next week we've picked sort of the exact opposite. <laughs> um, because you said you go to someone on the street and ask, what's Christiana F? In this country, at least, in Britain, they'll, they'll look at you blankly. Um, go to someone in the street and ask them, go to someone in the street between the ages of 20 and 40 or 45 and say what's the most disturbing movie ever you will get the majority of them saying next week's pick which is saw yeah i mean the most known film of this genre probably ever definitely definitely um and it's very good and it's a lot of fun oh my god yeah you will hear us praise this film forever next week like this this is a film we love and you've probably all already seen it i mean um, and then we can talk about the sequels as part of it oh. and what we think of those. Wow, I am excited. <laughs> I'm Saw discourse is, is very pertinent now, and I'm yeah, I'm very excited to do Saw. We got actually a really good lineup coming up. I was looking at it today, and I was like, oh, I'm very excited to talk about a lot of these films. Yeah, same. So be excited for all of those coming up. Yeah, well, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Yep, and we shall see you soon. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Extreme Cinema Podcast with Alexander Sternberg and Dom Loach. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing as it really helps us out. The original artwork for the podcast was done by George Arnold. The Extreme Cinema Podcast, available where all good podcasts are available.